I'm really clear about what I have capacity for. And one of the things that I really love doing is helping business owners figure out what their capacity is. And then I hire to my weaknesses. I'd much rather have smarter, more talented, better people than I am in my organization because we're just going to continually increase our capacity to grow and to achieve more. So the big question is this, how do small business owners like us grow our business, grow our leadership and develop our teams in a way that allows us to get our products and services out of the world, yet still remain profitable? That is the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Bradley Hamner, and this is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Hey, before we get into today's episode, did you know that Club Capital is the largest accounting and advisory firm for insurance agency owners in the country, providing monthly accounting, CFO services, and tax preparation? Check them out at club.capital. Chris, I'm really excited about this podcast with Alexis. You know, a few things that stand out to me. Number one that she talks about is just the importance of culture and having a high performing team. And specifically, this is talked about a lot by those who follow Gary Vee, but just the importance of focusing on people's strengths rather than their weaknesses. In fact, doubling and tripling down on your strengths. Otherwise, you're just going to end up with stronger weaknesses. So I think Alexis just does a phenomenal job of really intentionally building her culture, not just talking about having a high performance team, but actually doing tangible steps to build that team and then focusing on people's strengths. Those are some of the things that I really got out of this podcast. And I think our listeners are going to get a lot out of as well. So Chris, what are some of the things you got out of this podcast with Alexis? You know, I couldn't help but be reminded of Ray Dalio when I was listening to Alexis's technique for hiring people. Ray Dalio is the CEO and founder of Bridgewater Associates, and he uses personality assessments when recruiting for talent. And that's how Alexis actually recruits and retains the talent that she has. And that's how she builds the great culture that she has at her business as well. So I think people are going to get a lot out of listening to this episode, and I'm so excited to hear their feedback. So without further ado, let's get started. Let's get to it. Google makes it easy. Swipe a card, pay for marketing. Sure, you get a few more phone calls, but they have nothing to do with your business. The truth is Google can't understand the buyer's intent. Enter Matt and Maddie Jonesa, the husband-wife duo adding intention to your online marketing game. As a State Farm agent himself, Matt built his business by maximizing the volume and quality of inbound calls. His success led to the creation of DirectClicks, a company helping insurance agents across the country grow their business through online campaigns. They focus on Google ads so you don't have to spread your budget across the internet. With attention to detail and transparency, they provide monthly review calls, exclusivity, and the lowest cost per click. So before you swap that card, contact Matt and Maddie Jones at directclicksinc.com. Again, that's directclicksinc.com. Alexis, glad to have you on the podcast. Hey, Bradley. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. So we're in Nashville. We just finished yeah. a few days learning from a lot of different speakers and business owners. So I appreciate you carving out some time to talk to me. Well, thank you. So Alexis, let's first go back. You're a successful small business owner, your wife, your mom. But before you owned your business, talk to me a little bit about that. How did you get started? I went to Tulane. Roll Wave. And I was going to be a business major. I mean, that was my plan. I was going to the A.B. Freeman School of Business and I hated my business classes. I really just didn't enjoy them for whatever reason that time of my life. 
but I really loved my English classes. And so I graduated with a wonderful Bachelor of Arts degree from Tulane and then said, what the heck am I going to do now? Where a lot of college graduates find themselves, right? That's why we see so many going back and getting graduate degrees because they just really don't know what they want to do. And I happened, I always say, if I believed in luck, I would say that I was very lucky to meet somebody or a friend whose husband worked for Enterprise Rent-A-Car. And it was my first foray into sales management. So I started in sales management, moved on from there. And then I was in an opportunity that I was ready to move away from. I've always been very growth oriented. So I find that when I'm in environments that stifle my growth, I get a little itchy and I got to get out of there. So I started looking around for opportunities and an opportunity came up that was going to be a pathway for me to own my own business. And that's how I got here. So I always think it's really interesting whenever you talk about being growth oriented, where do you think that came from? Well, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I sometimes think that part of it is you're kind of born that way because you'll see kids in families and, you know, they're very different. Some are very growth oriented and abundance minded and some are not. But, you know, my dad was an immigrant. He jumped ship to get into this country and owned his own business. And I grew up in that environment. And I always wanted to know more, learn more, be more very achievement minded. Achiever is one of my top five strengths in the Clifton Strengths Finder. So I think it's part by birth and part of the environment I grew up in. You know, so my dad was is still to this day a small business owner. And he just had a tremendous impact on my life in some ways in a very good way. And then some of the mm-hmm. things in a very bad way. I mean, work ethic comes natural. I think it's hardwired genetically. But then at the same time, it can go the other way too. I mean, it can also be a bad thing. Ultimately, my dad working all the time led to my mom and dad getting a divorce, quite frankly, because he was more in love with his work than he was anything else. And so, you know, that really impacted my life too. So it's funny how both we're hardwired into things and then also the experiences of our life really shape us into who we are. And don't you think that your greatest strengths can also be your greatest weaknesses, right? Oh, no question. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So one of the things I was really excited the most, and I think that our listeners are going to get the most out of, is just since I've gotten to know you the last couple of years, you talk so much about a winning culture. And before we get into the kind of the hows, I mean, really, truly, how do you do that? What are the things you intentionally do to build a winning culture? Can you just define what a winning culture looks like to you? What do you mean whenever you say winning culture? I would say that a winning culture is one that believes in achieving the goal of the business consistently. I would say that a winning culture is one that does things for a bigger reason than themselves. So they have a tremendous purpose. I would say that a winning culture is one that is magnetic. So people really want to be a part of it. They see the exciting things that are happening with it and they want in. I would say that a winning culture is one that is selfless. That goes back to that sense of purpose. So how long have you owned your business? 16 years. I think that we can all look back as small business owners at these different evolutions. When do you feel like that you began to figure that out? I mean, when was that in your career that you said, you know what? Wow, this culture thing, the undercurrent that actually drives results. I really got to be intentional about building that. When was that for you? So it's kind of interesting. I always say that it's hard to read the label from inside the jar. And it really wasn't until probably in the last five years that I realized that that's what we do. Uh, You know, we build culture. And I think, though, a lot of the components around what we do started kind of early on for me. 
However, you got to remember, I was always in sales management. So I think I learned a lot about what works and what things to do and what doesn't work so well and what things probably aren't the best things to do. However, let me be the first to say that I, I made a lot of mistakes along the way, but I think that I could put words around it only in the last five years. Honestly, the components I think are just a gradually building thing. So what are some of the specific things that you do in your insurance agency, small business that you believe help you to build that winning culture? I think it's all about the people. It's all about the team. It's really, I'm going to bullet point some things for you and then we can go deeper if you want to. Setting expectations is really key. What a lot of people don't do is communicate the expectations. So they have these expectations and yet they don't communicate them. And that's a real pitfall. Your people really being intentional about the types of people you want in your business is really key to the point where you're not just thinking it intentionally, but you have it written down and you have almost a metrics that you can gauge a candidate or an existing employee by to measure, are they a really good fit for your business? Accountability is critical. And if you don't have the accountability piece, you can set goals all day long. But if you don't have that in place, it's going to be pretty hard to reach those goals. Empowering your team is critical. Making space for you to really work on your business is critical. And really helping your team become an organization that is smarter than you, that is more talented than you, and that is self-managing is really a great way to really love working on your business. Are you an agency owner looking to grow your revenue and increase your bottom line? Club Capital is here to help. Built for agents by agents, so we know your struggles. With accounting, payroll, and HR solutions, tax services, analytics, and more, let's get you on the path to serious success. Using data-driven insights, you'll grow your business based on revenue and expense comparisons alongside your top performing peers. With over $100 million in tracked annual revenue and $70 million in tracked annual expenses, we have the data to help you make better informed decisions for your agency. Let's make your back office less of a hassle and more of the strategic generator that powers the growth to take your agency and your leadership to the next level. Visit club.capital today to book your complimentary, no obligation demo. Club Capital, way more than a CPA firm. I do want to unpack some of those, but whenever you're going through that in my head, what I was telling myself was, is that so much of this a lot of business owners have heard before. They've heard set expectations and hold the team accountable and find the right people. And so often that we do need to be reminded more than we need to be taught or instructed on something that's brand new. The difference is, is that you've actually been able to bring that down to the ground truly and gain traction on it. It's almost like you have the building blocks, but you've been able to find the mortar in between all of that to make it work. Where's that come from? What is the missing piece that you feel? Because there's so many other business owners that you talk to, know, and are friends with and see around the country. What is the missing piece that they are not able to bring that down to the ground and actually get traction on the things that you're talking about? Just as an example, setting expectations. Oh, I need to set expectations for my team. That's not a new concept from everybody that's listening to this podcast. They're listening to this podcast, quite frankly, because they want to be better. They want to grow. Right. They want to hear from other people that are getting it done. So they have the desire to do it, but they can't seem to ever really gain traction. So what is that thing? So what I see a lot of small business owners do 
a lot. And it doesn't matter the industry. They really try to take so much more on than they're capable of. And I don't do that. (laughs) I'm really clear about what I have capacity for. And one of the things that I really love doing is helping business owners figure out what their capacity is. And then I hire to my weaknesses. I'd much rather have smarter, more talented, better people than I am in my organization. I hope they're all smarter than I am, honestly, because we're just going to continually increase our capacity to grow and to achieve more. I think that is such an amazing character trait that you have to have that much humility and also that much self-confidence to realize you cannot do it all. You can't do it all. And especially we're going to talk about this in just a minute about you're opening a second location. Yeah. And so obviously that comes with so much excitement to scale and be able to do more and serve more people. But it would be really easy for you to feel like that. I just need to work harder. I need to work more hours. I've just got the hustle. Right. Right. And you're really saying that's not it at all. Well, I'll say there's a lot of hustle (laughs) and I'll say there's a lot of work that goes into it. And I don't think you can abandon those things, honestly. However, I do believe that it really has to do with leveraging your talents and your strengths. And it's critical. And it's really been because, you know, what works really well, sometimes we stop doing for whatever reason. And when I step back and I take a lot of time to work on my business, I take a lot of space away from the grind, from the daily grind, just to step back and look and to be critical of what's happening. And I find when I can get back to that, okay, you've trusted this person with this list of responsibilities. We need to dump that back. Sometimes our team members too, whether it's because something we do that's questioning them or we take a task over for them, they lose some confidence. Wait, she gave it to me, then she took it away. And I see people do that a lot too. And when you do that, you have broken that empowerment that you've given. And sometimes you have to rebuild that. So you've mentioned a couple of times about leveraging your strengths, but also leveraging the strengths of your team. And I know that recently you just became Gallup Strength Finder certified. So tell me about that. Tell me about first, what is that? Secondly, why did you decide I'm not just going to take the test that we're going to use in an organization, but I'm actually going to take the time out of my office and the money to spend for you to get certified. Why did you do that? Well, so I've been a non-certified strengths coach for a while. I say that tongue in cheek in my own business. So I've really used StrengthsFinder for a long time. StrengthsFinder is Clifton StrengthsFinder. I should have all the details and I don't don't put that in. (laughs) We can get you some details on it. I'll send that in on an audio. But it's been around for years and years. It's research that Don Clifton did from I don't know what year. And it's been a great tool in helping my team be more productive. It's not a hiring tool. We don't use it that way, but we use it to really put the pieces of the puzzle of our team together. And it's very insightful. So I've used it for a long time and I loved it. And I was giving out a lot of advice and doing a lot of this coaching for other people. And I said, you know what? I need to get the certification if I'm going to continue doing this. So it's a pretty intense course of study. And then there's some coaching hours that go into it. And then there's certification tests. So I'm really proud to say that I am Gallup Strength certified. And I really enjoy that part of my business. And I don't expect you to be able to know and rattle all of the differences between the different tests. But there's Myers-Briggs. Yeah. There's DISC. Yep. Some people may be familiar with CTS. Colby. Colby. Yep. I mean, we could go on. What is it about Strength Finders in particular? How is that different 
from some of the other tests. So basically why strengths finders mm-hmm. as opposed to everything else? Because I mean, I talk to so many business owners that they try a test for a period of time because they heard it from one person that this test is great. I don't want to name one because they all have their place, right? Why that one for you? Yeah. And just going to all the tests, there's so many and they're fun, right? Yeah. I mean, you had me take one last night. That was, you know, it's, <laughs> it's just fun to take these quizzes and people love learning. Are you a bear? Yeah. Yeah. People love learning about themselves. And I think that that's, you know, I always have candidates or employees who take the strengths finder or candidates who take other tests. It was so interesting. You know, they really love that. I use a few. I use different assessments in hiring. The two that I really use most to help form the team and the magic of my team, honestly, is Colby and StrengthsFinder. Colby is how you initiate, where you initiate from, the four metrics that they look at. And then StrengthsFinder is a little bit of a deeper look. And I think Colby is much more how you're built, whereas StrengthsFinder takes in how you're built plus some of your, you know, just what's happened to you in life and your experience a little bit and what your tendencies are. And so I think that StrengthsFinder gives me a deeper dive into someone's ability to communicate, what really jazzes them and gets them excited about things. For instance, my you know team leader, if you will, once we realized she had the capability that we needed in a team leader type of position, it was pretty amazing to go back and look at her StrengthsFinder and realize that Maximizer was her number one. It was just a natural fit, right? We didn't promote because of that, but it's why she could do it. So what are your top strengths? Uh, so number one's futuristic. Mm. So I'm always looking forward. That's a surprise. Yeah, right? <laughs> I have no idea what happened yesterday. <laughs> yeah, so number one's futuristic and strategic is number two. And those are kind of fun together. And then self-assurance, command, and achiever. So my husband says the command is not a surprise at all. (laughs) So even with your strengths, we could just talk about your strengths in particular. Mm -hmm. Now that you have that, you have a deeper understanding of that. What is it that you actually have been able to do with that? And you can speak to this for you personally, and then also for your team. And I could be using the wrong language here. So correct me if I'm wrong, but your bottom five strengths or maybe the things that you're not as strong at now that you have this information, what have you actually done with it? So I think that one of the things for me, and I think it's really true for a lot of people, it was pivotal when I stopped apologizing for the things I'm not good at. It was pivotal in my life, in my career. And I think that's one of the nice things about StrengthsFinder. Everybody's got all 34, right? In their makeup, there's 34 strengths and everybody's got them. But those top five are going to show up the most. And when I start looking at what the cool things are about those top five and how they do play out in my life and celebrate those and embrace those, it helps me stay out of the dark places, right? There's strategic coach calls it the gap. And because as business owners, we can go into the depths of the dark places pretty easily. If we haven't hit a goal, if we haven't done everything perfect on our to-do list, whatever, we can go there fast. And throughout the day. Not just once a month, right? No, no. No. Like, and so if you can live in your strengths, in my opinion, you're a whole lot happier and you don't go off the cliff as much. And so that's how I use it. And then, you know, I look at my bottom five and I'm like, you know, when I first unlocked that 34 and looked at those for the first time, I was like, wow, I didn't really identify that with that one. It's not so much in 
is that the bad thing about you? It's just that it doesn't show up the same way in everybody. So you really can't get hard on yourself about those bottom five. You have to stop apologizing for it. You're not good at it because you have a lot of talent and gift and good for the world that you can do in that top five. And that's where you should be living. So do you tell me if you agree with this statement? If you work on in business, now maybe not in sports, and sports is probably isn't true because there's a lot of examples where an athlete has worked on a particular part of their game as a weakness and made it a strength. But in business, typically, if you just work on your weaknesses, you end up with just stronger weaknesses. Do you agree with that? Oh, 125%. Absolutely. I quote that a lot, actually. And I really believe that for my team, too. I mean, we all have to do things occasionally that's not in our wheelhouse or that we're not as good at or that we don't like as much. However, if we can stay that 80-20 rule, if we can stay 80% in the things that we get energy from and that we're good at, it'll translate, right? And that's how I operate my team. Yeah. I mean, I was just thinking about possibly people around the country that may not even know what their strengths are. So first of all, the awareness of what it is, maybe where they're not as strong, and then beginning to try to move towards that. Because I think if you spend, I don't know, 25 to 40 year career, like you said, you're not going to be 100% working in your strengths. And this is what I love to do 100% of the time. Very few people get to do that. But if you worked only, say, 10% of the time in your strengths, then that could be tough. And entrepreneurship and small business ownership is tough in and of itself already. So the awareness, number one, and then working to build a team around your weaknesses to allow you to leverage your strengths more often. Yeah, absolutely. One of the biggest pieces of advice for people that I coach is hire to your weakness. Or I'll say, why are you doing that? I'll say, well, I don't know. I said, who else is going to do it? I don't know. Hire somebody who can. I think that that is, you talk about the 10, if you only are in your strengths, 10%. I can't even imagine a world like that. Like I would want to jump off a bridge. Sure. But there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people. Yeah, I agree. Someone transitioned to a couple of things. So I mentioned it earlier that you were going to be opening a second location. Yeah. So what are you excited about with that? And then maybe also what are some of those self-doubts that you have? Mm -hmm. I know that your strengths a minute ago, you talked about self-assurance. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there's got to be those moments where you still say, wow, this is a lot. Yeah. Can I do this? Is yeah. this something I can really do? And talk to us about that. Yeah. The dark places, right? Yeah. So I think that I really, with self-assurance, I describe self-assurance this way. I'll walk across the street with a car coming and I'll continue to walk across the street. It's a little crazy, I know, but I can pretty much gauge if they're going to hit me or not. And I know when to stop, but you know, I generally will wave them off. So that's my self-assurance in action. And so Most of the time I've done it before, I can do it again. But I think there are some things that pop up like, you know, we're in a very much a people oriented business and markets are different. And the way that I've been used to building business in my market that I'm in now, the market looks a little different in how they interact and their level of community engagement. And that's kind of my mojo. So that's going to be different. And I don't really think I go to a dark place there. I just go to my strategic strength and really think about, okay, how do we do this differently? How do we make this work? I guess part of that achiever mindset is that I'm always comparing myself against other people. And that can get you into trouble. I always say vanity will get you into trouble and and comparing yourself against others. And I really have to stay in the mindset of you were made an original, don't die a copy. So that's probably one of those things that shows up a little bit. The other thing that's pretty overwhelming is the capital outlay and starting over. You know, I haven't started in a long time. I've been in business for 16 years and starting over with less revenue 
is a little daunting because I'm used to a certain level of expenditure capability. Absolutely. Yeah. So what I'm excited about, so I'm mostly excited about the growth opportunity for my team. That is an opportunity for them to grow and strive for, to go and be a key player in a new business is super cool. I'm really excited about expanding the good that we do. I think that part of our winning culture, I said, was about purpose. And I think that my team members understand when they come in that we're in a purposeful business and we are here to do good work and be heroes to people. And so that's pretty exciting to me because there are a lot of people who need a lot of help. And we're in crisis in this country from a retirement perspective and a lot of other things too. But if we can really go and help strengthen a community in lots of different ways, that makes me pretty excited. There's been a prevailing thought that I've had just in the last month. And I was thinking back about there's almost an over-obsessiveness about our failures. And I think that we can use our failures to learn from. However, the person that I am today is not the person I want to be. And so I was just thinking about it as you were talking about that. What are the things that you feel like that you are working on personally as a leader to be able to handle having now a second location? What are the things that you feel like that you need to work on, you want to get better at, so that in, say, three years, you're the leader that you want to be running two different locations with a lot of responsibility. So kind of interesting. As good a delegator as I am, I realized I wasn't delegating enough of this work on launching the second business to my team. And that is a continual process because sometimes it's just easy, right? I talked about just taking it all on yourself and how that overwhelms business owners. Sometimes it's just easier than communicating it, especially when you're in a time crunch. You know you can do it quicker, but it's not helping grow anybody. And it's really just keeping more on your plate that you shouldn't be doing. So I think continuing to work in my strengths and really being intentional about that is going to just be more fun and more lucrative. So that's definitely one. As I do that, I have to delegate off, right? I have to find the people that are going to be best suited to do the things that I'm not, I don't have the capability, the capacity, or the love for, the energy for. I also think being a little more analytical and looking at the bottom line. So this is kind of interesting because this first business has been my baby, right? I have three children, but you know, this is like the fourth. And so on this baby, you think about your personal life. You spend more money on the baby than you need to, right? You probably don't need to buy the fancy smock dresses or the fancy pacifiers or whatever you're buying, right? You don't need to do that for basic stuff, right? So you spend more money on the business than you have to, and the money's coming in and it's easy. And, oh yeah, I'll do one more golf tournament or you spend money unnecessarily. I think with this, there's limited resource there. And so you've got to really watch your bottom line. And so I think that's going to really be important for me and to be disciplined about that, I think is going to be important. And you know what? I'm being really, really vigilant about protecting my time. So I have someone who supports me. She is my implementation coordinator. And what makes her a hero to me is keeping me in working in my strengths 80% of the time. That's her number one. If she can do that, she's my hero. And so I think that is really important because it can be easy to be pulled in lots of different directions. As business owners, I think that we tend to not say no as much as we should. 
and not protective of the time that we need to regenerate, right? Rejuvenate, not only work on our business, but just have some free time away from it. I talk to more business owners who are working seven days a week in some form or fashion, and that's not necessary and not good for your personal relationships and not good for your overall health and well-being, your spiritual it's life. It's not good for the business either. Oh, it's not good for the business. You're right. It's not good for the business. I mean, I have to say, wow. I mean, you just shared like a lot of nuggets there, honestly, that I think everybody can take. I mean, discipline, specifically having financial discipline, willing to look at what are the things that you can delegate. I mean, because you are a great delegator, but delegating more. Secondly, and the fact that you have an implementation coordinator who's designed to help push you and keep you in your strengths, that is unbelievable. I mean, that to me shows your commitment to working in your strengths, to leverage your strengths and what you're the best at. And obviously the results have and will continue to pay off. I want to transition and do Anina. You ready? Yeah, I'm so ready. So I'm a golfer. I love to play golf. I play golf in college. And so even to this day, especially to this day with two small kids and a few businesses, whenever we play golf, there's always a rush to finish up the bat so we could get out and try to play nine more holes. And so we call it an E9. So I'm going to lob nine questions to you and you just answer the first thing that comes to your head. Okay. Okay. What's your favorite book? Favorite book. Gosh, there are so many favorite books. Okay, I'm going to give you two. My fiction favorite book is Ethan Frome by Edith Wharton. Many people haven't read that, but it's the most boring book you'll ever read until the end, and it's awesome. And then my business book, I think is probably going to be, it's 10,000 Seconds. I don't remember the name of it. That's one of my favorites. And the other is Ideal Team Player. That is a good book. Mm -hmm. What book have you gifted the most to somebody or to people? Dr. Seuss's The Places You Will Go. I've read that a few times. That's my favorite book to gift. It's really maybe the best. That should probably be my favorite book, The Places You'll Go, because it's, and maybe that's not the exact title, because, you know, I'm a four fact finder, but it's the most inspirational book out there. What's your favorite superhero if you have one? So, of course, I should say Wonder Woman because she's just awesome. But I also like the Wonder Twins a lot. What's your favorite hobby? I love outdoor activity. So I like to hike a lot, but my favorite is probably to travel. My big geography nerd. If you had not been an insurance agent, small business owner, what would you have been? A professional cheerleader. Speaking of that actually leads into the next one. What's your favorite sports team? Uh, the Saints. Duh. Who that? <laughs> Who that? Best piece of advice you've ever been given? Play your game. Probably the best advice I give my people too and my kids. Play your game. Be you. Don't try to be somebody else. Play your game. You love to travel. What's one place that you have not been that you mm. want to be want to go to? I really want to go to Australia. Me too. What legacy is it that you hope to leave behind? So probably my number one goal and purpose is to help my kids realize their dreams. And if I can, I know this is rapid fire E9, but I got to tell you this little story. So a couple of years ago, we went on a cruise at the Baltic Sea Cruise and we went to lots of different places and we had a layover in Copenhagen. And I'm a geography nerd and I like to go to lots of places and I don't feel like the airport counts. So I said, we got to go into Copenhagen. We only had, I don't know, three, four hours. Let's go to Copenhagen. So we went in and went into the city and we did some different things. And there was this park where I think it was Yoko Ono had this, it was a some type of exhibit and it was a tree, a hope tree. And you were a wish tree or something like that. And you would write down the wish or the hope 
and you would put it on the tree. It was really, really beautiful. And so my husband and I each did it. We asked each other what we did afterwards and it was the same, which was really, really super cool. And that was to help our kids realize their dreams. So I think my legacy is really to help people believe in themselves and to believe that anything is possible. You're such an amazing leader. I mean, you're such a great mom to three kids. Now you're about to have two babies <laughs> with the businesses. Great wife. I mean, last question before we go. How do you balance it all? You're a successful business entrepreneur, mom, have hobbies outside of that. I mean, that's tough to do. How do you do that? Yeah. So one of the things that I like to say is balance is for yoga. And I think that I've had a lot of people over the years tell me, oh, you need a more balanced life or you should take it easy more. You know, you're always working, you're always doing this. And I think balance is different for different people. For me, it is about, again, working in my strengths and not apologizing for who I'm not. I am not the mom that sits at soccer practice. Don't like doing it. I don't do it. So I might sit in the car and make phone calls and every once in a while come out just to let my kid know that I'm there, but I make the games. So I make time for what's really important. And I really set the example for my kids to do the same. And they're not going to always want to do the things that I think they should do. But if they're operating in their strengths and in their 80%, then I think that that's a success. So for me, I would say that how do I stay balanced is taking time to work on my business, really realizing what it is that gives me energy and really focusing my activities, those places, because to some balance looks like finishing the day by four o'clock and going home and cooking dinner every night or whatever. That's not my reality. I don't think you can take a model of balance and apply it to everybody's mm -hmm. life. That was probably way more answer than you wanted on that. That was perfect because it was the honest answer. Yeah. yeah. All right, Alexis, if somebody wants to know more about you and how you can help them and their teams, what's the best way for them to be able to get in touch with you? So I am a Gallup certified Clifton Strengths coach, and I help people understand and develop their strengths to be the very best versions of themselves. I work with both individuals and business leaders to drive results, inspire hope, elevate people, and increase job satisfaction and employee retention. In a nutshell, we help people create great futures filled with possibility. Check out our website at alexis.coach. Again, that's alexis.coach. Alexis.coach. A-L-E-X-I-S.coach. We look forward to having you in the future because I think the topic of StrengthsFinder, like there's a lot of layers to it. And I think that this was a great introduction. So we definitely want to have you on the podcast in the future to dive deeper into it. Awesome. I look forward to it. Google makes it easy. Swap a card, pay for marketing. Sure, you get a few more phone calls, but they have nothing to do with your business. The truth is Google can't understand the buyer's intent. Enter Matt and Maddie Jonesa, the husband-wife duo adding intention to your online marketing game. As a State Farm agent himself, Matt built his business by maximizing the volume and quality of inbound calls. His success led to the creation of DirectClicks, a company helping insurance agents across the country grow their business through online campaigns. They focus on Google ads, so you don't have to spread your budget across the internet. With attention to detail and transparency, they provide monthly review calls, exclusivity, and the lowest cost per click. So before you swap that card, contact Matt and Maddie Jones at directclicksinc.com. Again, that's directclicksinc.com. Chris, I'm just so impressed with Alexis and 
the way that she's been able to build her businesses and have such an impact on her community. But most importantly, I just love the way that she's gone about being intentional of building her culture in her office to be a high performance culture. I think people are going to get a lot out of that podcast with Alexis today. Chris, final thoughts? You know, Bradley, earlier you mentioned about how Alexis talked about doubling and tripling down on these strengths and how Gary Vee champions that. And a comment that Alexis made that I found fascinating is when she said that it was pivotal when she stopped apologizing for the things she wasn't good at, because really you have to focus on your strengths if you're going to be successful at anything. And so the fact that she's very self-aware of her strengths, the fact that she makes her team very self-aware of their strengths, that creates for a winning culture. And I can see why she's already expanding to a second office in her business. So overall, I think it was a great episode and I can't wait to hear what our listeners are going to say about it. Yeah, totally agree. So remember, if you want to get in touch with Alexis so she can help you, you can find her at alexis.coach, alexis.coach. Until next time, Chris, lead well and stay classy. 